0: Here we go! On the last day of October the 31st in the year of our Lord 2022, I'm Pastor Tom Baker. You're listening to Law and Gospel, and this is actually the day of the Reformation. And we're going to be taking a look at one of the things that people really love about the teaching of the Revelation, uh, uh, the Reformation, and that is what? We're going to be going to heaven. And it just so happens that the reading for this coming Sunday, the Old Testament, is from the book of Revelation, not from an Old Testament reading. It's Revelation chapter 7, 9 to 17. And so a lot of times pastors talk about that when you get to heaven, things are going to be wonderful. And here is the passage that we would use to proclaim that good news. Verse 9. This is John in a vision. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, and before the Lamb. Well, that reminds us of the promise that God had given to Abraham, that through his son Isaac, many nations, peoples, and languages, that they're going to be blessed. And we see that again and again. Uh, For example, the Bible says there is no distinction between male and female. Jew or Gentile, slave or free, when it comes to whether or not they can approach God. Remember, Jesus began the Lord's Prayer to the disciples with, Our Father who art in heaven. So you can be connected directly to God the Father through saying the Lord's Prayer, which we often say in every worship service. The first verse here, verse 9, makes very clear that there is no people, no one who has a different language, who is not standing before the throne, but it's a great multitude. Abraham was told that the multitude would be like the sands on the shore, and also like the stars in the heaven. They stand before the throne and before the Lamb. Now, what does that mean? Well, once more, Scripture interprets Scripture. If you go to Daniel chapter 7, you have the Ancient of Days sitting on a throne. That is God the Father. And he sends the Son of Man, who is Jesus Christ, the Lamb, into the world to save the people. So you already have the two of them mentioned in the Old Testament, and that's what is being referred to in Revelation chapter 7, that these people are standing before the throne, that's before God the Father, and before the Lamb, and they are clothed in white, white robes with palm branches in their hands. Now, what does that remind you of? That reminds you of the people who lined the way for Jesus to enter into Jerusalem. Remember they had palms and this was a way that was among the citizens to give honor to a king. And Jesus was indeed that king on that particular Sunday. White robes, those are the robes that they received dipped in the blood of the lamb, it says. And it shows the purity of every person who stands before the throne. In other words, every believer has on a white robe with palm branches in the hand. And they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now, when you first read that, it it sounds like God is sitting on the throne, and then you have another character called the Lamb. But if you take a look at the original Greek, salvation belongs to our God. And then they explain the God that is being spoken of. It's the God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In other words, the Lamb also is God. And that's why they're standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So therefore, God is both the Father and the Son. Verse 11, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Now, what are they talking about? around the elders, the four living creatures. There you go back to earlier chapters in Revelation where the elders appear to be 24 of them, 12 representing Israel of the Old Testament and 12 representing the apostles in the New Testament. And what are they singing? They're worshiping God and giving blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might to our God forever and ever. Amen. And it's of some interest that in chapter 5, the very things said about God the Father in chapter 4 are also mentioned about the Lamb in chapter 5, because He too is God who they are worshiping. So Revelation 4 and 5 helps explain Revelation 7, verse 12. Then verse 13. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And John says to him, Sir, you know. And he says to John, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, what does that mean? Remember, much of the Bible is metaphorical in the sense that it is talking about how God thinks, and also what his will is. First of all, what's the great tribulation? Well, we need to remember that the earth, in and of itself, is the kingdom of Satan. And therefore, no Christian is there who doesn't come on the great tribulation. In fact, the gospel, for this Sunday is Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, which means the blessings. And here's one of them. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, this is really important that what we have here is a tremendous action on the part of God saying that when you're on earth, when you are a Christian, expect persecution. And are we ever finding that to be true in our day, as it was true in the day of Jesus? For many churches, not only are being criticized for their teaching, saying that immorality is wrong, because so many people believe that they can do anything they want. They get their morality from evolution. They get their morality from their own thoughts. They don't get their morality from God's holy word. And therefore, the church is persecuted at all times. But we have washed our robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. What's that referring to? It's referring to what happened to Abraham. God told him he was going to have a baby with Sarah, but they were way past childbearing age. But Abraham believed the promise of God. And immediately thereafter, God declared him righteous, not because of his works. That's long gospel we're talking about, but because of his faith. And you can take a look at a passage like Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And it is that trust in Jesus Christ's promises, promises of what we call the gospel. Now, the difference between the promises of the law and there are prom- promises of the law in contrast to promises of the gospel is as follows the law you have to do something to get the promise the gospel you do nothing it is unconditional so when you're reading promises in the bible and you hear of a condition that shows that you are reading the law, in contrast to when you are reading a promise that is unconditional, which means gift from God they're hearing the gospel. And the greatest gift, of course, is what Peter said at Pentecost you will receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what do you have to do to get those gifts? You don't have to do anything, but God does everything in the sacrament of baptism, or as you are hearing the word of God, the Holy Spirit initiates faith in your heart to believe the unbelievable. What do I mean by that? Well, a lot of times, the Bible doesn't seem to make sense. I mean, when was the last time you heard of somebody raising someone else from the dead? It, It just doesn't occur. But it did in the life of Jesus and in some of the prophets. When was the last time that somebody took a little bit of fish and some bread and was able to feed 5,000 people. Doesn't occur, but it occurred in the life of Jesus. And the most important thing, when does the death of an individual pay for the sins of other individuals? Never until you get to Jesus Christ. Because he was God, he became a human being also, incarnate. And as a human being, his purpose was to die on the cross to pay for the sins of many people. So, beginning with verse 15, we see what it's going to be like in heaven. And these are the verses that pastors should be using to show how wonderful heaven is going to be. Verse 15, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Now, this is something that did not happen in the days of the earth because a person could not even look at God face to face and live. But now they're going to be able to serve him day and night in his temple. Now, what's his temple? Temple, again, is a metaphor referring to his kingdom. And what is the kingdom? It is the kingdom of the Holy Christian Church. Now, here on earth, we attempt to serve God in his temple daily, but because of sin, we fail to do so. There's not a commandment God gives us that we are able to obey perfectly. although through the motivation of the Holy Spirit, we can bear fruits of righteousness, which are part of the life of sanctification, not justification. Justification, you get saved by God, declared righteous in His sight because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Sanctification is your response To having been saved. And in the sanctified life, we attempt to serve God day and night, even here in the Holy Christian Church. But the liturgy makes it clear that we sin by thought, word, and deed, and therefore we don't deserve heaven, but we know we will be receiving heaven because that's a promise from God were saved by grace through faith, not by works through our boasting. Then verse 16 says, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Now these are just examples from what happens here on earth that at times we get hungry or we get thirsty remember the occasion when jesus met the woman at the samaritan well and she had come to draw water at noon which was the hottest time of the day because she was not living with a husband and she was therefore embarrassed and was trying to get water when no one else was around. Jesus said to her, I have water so that you will never thirst again. And she begged, well, would you please give me that water? And then he made it clear by indicating her lifestyle that he was the one that she was really looking forward to, namely the Messiah. She went back and told the people in the village, I think I've met the Messiah. And when she told them what he said, they believed, and they believed he was the Messiah. Then they went out to him, and he spoke with them for some time, and they believed them because of what he said also. So, what does it mean that we will hunger no more or thirst anymore? and the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat." Well, I've often thought about, if I was to die here on earth, would I want to die from scorching heat, maybe being burnt to death, or instead being frozen in a cold place like the Arctic or something? And I used to believe that it would be more painful to be burnt than to be frozen. But then I went through some experiences where it was really cold out and began to realize that when you become really cold and frigid, guess what happens? Pain comes to you. And so now I don't want to die either way by being burnt or by being frozen, because both are painful. But in heaven, it doesn't say there won't be a sun. It just says that there will be no need for the sun because of the light of Jesus Christ. But there still could be a sun and it will not be of scorching heat though. Nobody will be complaining about, oh, it's too hot here in heaven. Or I'm so thirsty that I don't have anything to drink. I think that would be one of the worst conditions to have, that you are so thirsty and yet there is nothing to drink. And you wonder, how am I going to get through today? A lot of times you may be working in the yard, cutting the lawn or doing some work, and it's hot, and then you go in and you get a drink of ice cold water or a soda, and boy, does that ever taste good. And every time that happens to me, I think about hell, where our thirst will not be quenched, and the heat of the day will still be there for verse 17 says, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. See, this is the bottom passage, the foundation, where pastors say you will not have grief in heaven, but you will have a wonderful life. And I mentioned that in a sermon recently. There are some parents who wonder whether or not their children will be in heaven. Maybe. They were members of the church and they left it because they disagree with the church or whatever. But let's say you will have a child who will not be in heaven. Will you have grief in heaven because of that? This verse says, no, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, how God is going to do that when a loved one may not be in heaven? I don't know, because heaven is so different. You, first of all, the promise that was made to David, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That occurs even here on earth. But a lot of times we flee from the Holy Spirit and do the things we want to do. But in heaven, we will not flee from the Holy Spirit. We will have an understanding that God has. And it sounds like very clearly there will be no grief in heaven, no sadness. About the only one who will be sad is God Himself. Sad for those who are not in heaven who despised the word of God, who did not come to faith, who did not believe the gracious promises of God. Whether or not God will be in grief over that, we'll have to wait and see, but I think that's quite possible. But there will be no grief on the part of any believer who is in heaven. We will have a mind of God and come to understand that, which is very difficult for us to understand today. Many people, they leave the Christian faith because they are persecuted. And when they're persecuted, they think that God isn't around. They pray to him and they imagine that God is not hearing their prayers, nor answering them. But he heard the prayers even of adam and eve and though cain was not the promised messiah as eve thought in genesis 4 verse 1 the promised messiah did come hundreds of years later god always keeps his promises and many of the promises to you will not take place until heaven itself where there will be no grief, no sadness, no illness, no death, no pain, no suffering, but a perfect life. And you're going to say, how is that possible? Well, it was possible for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden prior to their fall into sin. And it will be possible for us also because that's what God has promised. So the unconditional promises of God are the gospel. And as we look to them, we begin to understand that God is there to take care of us. And when he takes care of us, all these promises in Revelation 7 will come true. And they will be in stark contrast to what has happened to us here on earth. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening to Law and Gospel. As we looked at Revelation chapter 7, 9 to 17, which is one of the readings for this coming Sunday, which also will be All Saints Day. The day we observe that. So be with us tomorrow when we go over a hymn selected for that day. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.